Hi, and welcome to Kickoff Labs on Growth. Today, I'm going to share an interview we did with Rasa Shanks of Great Little Place from 2015. They ran a Kickoff Labs campaign ahead of the launch of their first mobile application. This campaign ultimately collected over 100,000 email addresses for them with a significant viral boost. Since we recorded the interview, they've gone on to launch the service in six countries and over 100 cities. They've also leveraged their larger audience as social proof to raise a larger round of funding. It's been a success, and when you listen to Rasa, you'll understand why. I learned a lot again just editing this interview about writing great landing page copy, rallying an audience around a mission, Facebook advertising, and how to hack crowdfunding with app launches. If you enjoy this interview, let us know by subscribing and leaving a review in the Apple Podcast app. You can also send any feedback along to josh at kickofflabs.com. Enjoy the show. Rasa, welcome. Uh, thanks for thanks for being thanks here. For me. So it, your bio, and, and I can read it. You guys founded a uh, great little place in 2010. Uh, you uh, started uh, to think about the app, uh, GLP app, in uh, 2014. Um, people can read the the bio, but I'd love to get uh, I'd love to go backwards first um, before we talk about great little place. Um, what's your background? Where did you come from? So my, I started my career in advertising, so I worked at a couple of different ad agencies. Um, the first was AMV BBDO, uh, I believe BBDO, there's some BBDOs in America as well. Um, and then I went to work at Grey London, I think there's also Grey New York. So yeah, I cut my teeth um, in advertising, which was a great kind of grounding um, for, I think, building a business because you learn about how to build a brand, how, what's the, you know, an incredible value proposition how to reach an audience and engage an audience. So from a kind of marketing point of view, it's kind of perfect. Uh, and that's where I met my uh, co-founder, Rich uh, Brown, as well. Uh, we weren't at the same, app, uh, same ad agency, but we met on a course and then started talking about this idea. Um, and then we kind of basically started the idea in our spare time. Um, it was kind of a passion project. We really enjoyed finding kind of quirky, off-the-beaten-track places and, um, yeah, just started talking about the idea. and. And before, I guess, we went full-time on it, I ended up at, um, was head of marketing at the Sun newspaper, which is, a, 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 I think, the biggest newspaper here in the UK. Um, and Rich um, left advertising as well and went down more of a kind of product management route uh, and got into kind of user experience and that sort of stuff. Tell me a little bit more about about you know what sets you guys apart. Like what what makes it different? Uh, your idea different than uh, what other other companies are doing? Sure, uh, I think it's a few things. Um, I guess the first comes from what the value proposition is. So I, our idea was really simple, which is everyone loves great little places, um, the kind of places you tell story about, places of personality. The trick is they're really hard to find, um, and you know you're, it's amazing when you stumble across one, but it, they're kind of few and far between. Um, there's obviously a lot of information out there uh, in terms of finding them, but it's a bit of a deluge. So we had an idea which is really simple, which is everyone knows at least one great little place. So if we can get everyone in the world to say, I know this great little place, fill in the end of that sentence and share them you know, amazing discoveries with everyone else, then we might just create the ultimate list. So I think that's where the differentiation starts. So we never sought out to have an app which was just another, you know, city guide, I guess, with places on there and everywhere and anywhere. And you know, you differentiate those places by star ratings. Ours is much more of a kind of, or ours is much more of a binary platform, whereby 
it's either, either somewhere's great or it's not good enough. And so if it's not good enough, it's not on the platform. So therefore, when you take that model, you don't need ratings. And I think to some extent, ratings actually take away from trust versus actually adding the trust. So that's, that's the first thing. So only great little places. The second is uh, all personally recommended. So, you, you know, we don't just add business on there kind of randomly. They all come from a personal recommendation that's written by a user. And then the best bit is that the platform is then self-curating because we don't get involved editorially. The community decides what stays and what goes. So it's really meritocratic. It's really um, democratic. You know, we, we might have someone who uses the app in London or might, maybe someone in New York and they're tra traveling in Mexico, let's say, um, and they might find somewhere in a random little village and add it. So it's very much like everyone's little black book of places w woven together. I think what's impressive to me about that and what, what I'm going to get into next is that, they're, uh, is that they're really strong about the curation process and they say it's, it's self-curated, um, you know, you can't just go and submit your, you, you know, submit your local um, Applebee's and have that voted up, um, voted up by the rest of the people there because it's just not going to happen because the rest of the crowd uh, that they have is going to, uh, is going to vote Applebee's uh, right off the list of, right off the list of menus. Um, talk about, um, so I got the idea, we get the curation, um, talk about uh, that initial organic, uh, organic growth. So you guys actually started this, you know, when you had the idea, you guys started in 2010. What was the first version like? What was the first version of your idea? Uh, how did that work? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess a lot of people in the entrepreneurial world know about MVPs now. Um, so minimal viable products. Uh, for us, that wasn't something that was uh, widespread or certainly not, you know, talked about back in 2010. But we instinctively thought to ourselves, look, we, we're restricted because, you know, we don't have loads of money. Um, we're not developers ourselves. Um, but we want to get this idea out there and test it and see if people like it and it, resonate, it resonates with people. Um, so we had two kind of things we need to prove what you know in order to take the idea forward the first was does anyone care about this idea other than us uh, and how many people do and secondly would people share their favorite places or would they like to keep those things close to their chest and keep them secret so there were two things that we needed to do um, so we decided that actually the perfect platform to test the idea was Facebook you know an inherently social platform um, where people can join in on a page and, and give recommendations, that sort of stuff. So, so we set a page which you've put up on the screen now um, called I Know This Great Little Place in London. And that was designed, or let's say, the name of it was, was intentional in the sense that we thought if, if you saw that name in your feed, in your news feed, and you saw a few of your friends had liked it, there'd be a bit of social proof, but also that name is kind of curious and whets your appetite and picks your interest and we thought people would click it and, and click through so luckily our hypothesis was right or our gut instinct was right and we invited all our friends in advertising on the first day badgered everyone that we knew to sign up because we knew that to trigger a viral effect you need to get as many people together to do something um, you know in a short period of time um, and then luckily within two weeks it, it had grown to 40,000 likes and cool so tell me about the you know how you got 
to the first 1,000 fans, did you have any relationships with kind of key influencers in the market? You mentioned your friends in advertising. Were they pivotal, pivotal in getting the first 1,000 to 40,000 fans? Uh, I mean, absolutely. So if you think about um, what might trigger a viral effect, the, the key thing uh, always is the first group of people knowing each other or being self-referencing, if you like, to use a term from um, the book Crossing the Chasm. That That's really important. So if they can't talk to each other or they don't know each other, um, it's a lot harder for that idea to spread. But if you are in, within a closed community, whether that's in... Or, you know, on a university campus or that's in a certain industry like advertising, that's critical. So we invited literally, you know, all our friends. About a lot of them were obviously in advertising, so there's a lot of overlapping friendship groups, which meant that even though there were only, let's say, 300 in the first day and it was it got to 1,000 the second day, actually, in London, anyway, it's a small community, so kind of everyone knows each other. So if you're on Facebook, you'd suddenly see, oh, 20 of your friends from advertising have liked this page. And then it, that was enough of a kind of group of people to start the fire. It was like that, the kindling before the fire happened, if that makes sense. We made basically local pages for each city. Um, yes. And that was crucial because if we'd have just called it, oh, I know this great old place, no one would have joined it because there's no relevancy to you. Um, so whilst it was a bit of a hassle, we did open lots and lots of pages for different cities. And the way we did that was whoever had reached out to us and said, hey, this for Toronto, I'd like Amsterdam, we basically made them the admin or editor of that that community so that they could manage it locally. And because people really cared about the idea, you know, we had very much a mission-led um, idea, which is we're going to protect all these labors of love, all these independent venues from the kind of, you know, the big chains, etc. People really got on board with that um, and, and fell in love with the idea, so they were you know, willing to volunteer their time. So it really, I guess, caught the imagination. To answer your question before I cut out, you said, what did we do after we got the initial traction? Um, so we obviously maintained the communities, you know, gave them relevant content that they love. You've got one there, one recently, um, where, you know, you can just see the interaction with, with, with into something that they enjoy doing and, and, and et cetera. So it just worked well within the book, where people are talking about their social lives. Um, we did to really test whether we had an idea that resonated with we decided to ask our audience for money, basically, for free money. Because um, we wanted to build a website, and um, we couldn't afford to do it at the time. We can develop ourselves. So we, yeah, there's, there's the crowdfunding site. So raised over £10,000 from them, which was our target. And that allowed us to build uh, greatlittleplace.com, which was, again, just another way of us proving that the idea worked. Um, and I guess the main hypothesis we needed to prove there was... Um, you know, will will people add places on our own platform, not just on Facebook? And they did in the thousands. So uh, that again was a big tick box for us. But I guess in the back of our minds, we always knew that we wanted to go to mobile, and uh, that was going to be the way forward. So it was a question from our audience: Did you guys ever use ads, Facebook advertising, to drive any of the growth? No, not any of our organic growth on, on the pages. Um, I think at the, when we launched, it was a lot easier to go viral, and, and Facebook was a lot more generous with uh, kind of impressions that they allowed you to have, as it were. Um, we've, we've recently turned to advertising um, to drive people to our pre-sign-up page, which I guess is what today's chat's about. Um, so we have been doing that, but that uh, and that's been working for us to great effect. 
and one of the kind of byproducts of doing advertising to our um, to great little sorry to glpapp.com, which is where we've got our kickoff labs page. Um, the, the ironic byproduct of that is we've had I think another forty thousand likes in the last week because people have seen ads that they've liked. They're literally tagging themselves in the ads, which is quite funny. Um, so yeah, that's working really well. How did you drive? Uh, you know, did you just throw up this page and you had you know the you know a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand followers on social media? Um, and just ask them to go check out the page and, and back you? Yeah, I think the, the trick with crowdfunding is it's definitely not easy. Um, and we weren't raising lots of money, but what we were doing was essentially asking for free money because our prizes were pretty weak in retrospect. What were uh, they? I mean, the top prize, I think, was we'll, you know, we'll get you, you know, I think if you, I can't remember what the value was, but maybe it was if you put in 500 quid or 150 quid, I can't remember, pounds that is, sterling, um, we'll sort you out a trip to a great little place somewhere, because we've got relationships with the venues and we can get kind of free stuff, um, to very basic stuff like put in a 10, I think, or 20, and, and you'll be invited to our loyalty, that sort of stuff. So they weren't, you know, it wasn't like we had a product. It wasn't like we were selling some new kind of tech product that we could give away, like a, a discounted value on. Um, it was, uh, it was very much, a, you know, asking for support just for the sake of the idea. And you can see all the names there you put up on the screen of all the people that supported us. Um, there was over 300 people, I think, chipped in. Just you know, small amounts. But some people put in quite a lot. You know, one person put in 500 pounds, and we just literally didn't know who they were. Um, I think the trick with crowdfunding is you've got to do it. Um, you've got to be prepared. So if you, you you need your own network, I think to a certain degree, and you need to ask the network before you do it. You know, would they be willing to pledge money if you did it? So you almost get pre-pledges and get people warmed up to the idea uh, before actually launching your campaign. Um, and and I, I'd also give yourself because you can set the time limit by which you raise the money. I would also give yourself as much time as possible. I would do the maximum, not 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 the minimum. We actually did a quite short period of time period. I think it was 45 days and we, we could have done with, it got a bit hectic near the end where we thought we might not make it, but um, it, you know, you've got to give yourself enough time. Um, but I think good prizes is obviously always good if, you, if you've got something. If you've got a product that you can actually offer a discounted price on, that's obviously a good place to start. Already had an audience, um, like a like a decent audience. So what made you say, you know what, we're going to do this campaign to collect, um, you know, your goal. I think you've told me is a hundred thousand email addresses. Um, yeah. The uh, through the campaign. So what made you say, you know what, now we're going to go collect a hundred thousand email addresses um, as part of this app launch? I guess it's simple. The answer that's simple, which is, I think to a certain degree, the anticipation of something. Um, can really contribute to the excitement of it. So if we'd have just released our app into the wild, uh, you know, I guess people, yeah, responded well and all the rest of it. But I think it's much easier to sell the promise of something um, before you launch it. And obviously, with something like an app, um, there's various things you need to consider. Which is, okay, if we can build up an audience before we launch, um, so that on day one when we launch, there's a ton of people downloading the app. That also helps you um, from a distribution point of view because you run up the ranks in in the app store. So you know to get to number one in in any crap in any category on a single day, you probably need in the UK anyway. It's it's more in the states, I imagine. 
you need about 15,000 downloads. In the States, I imagine it's probably 50 to 100,000. And I think, yeah, it, it's easy to, when, when, you, when something's not launched, early adopters get excited, I think, and, and also, you know, when you're trying to sign people up, the promise of something's more exciting than the reality often. Um, obviously, we're going to make ours as good as it can be, but that's the psychological um, truth about it, I think. And also, I think people want to be feel like they're cutting edge, and you know they're gonna they're gonna be the first to trial something, and that's exciting, and and be the first in the know, and they want something they can't have. So I think you can capitalize on a lot of psychological hooks there that are just part of our human makeup. I think. So I want to talk about um, a couple of the psychological hooks that you uh, that you're leveraging on the on the page here. Um, so one of the things that I noticed right away is that you've got this text above the email box that says become founding member, you know, I guess now I would say 50,000, when we took the screenshot it was 22, um, yep. you know, become founding member. So what do you think the impact of that is right above the, uh, the email list? So we spent a lot of time reading um, books on virality, on um, social behavior, how you engender kind of yeah, viral effects, I guess, and how you make something contagious. So everything on the page was deliberate for us. It wasn't that we just kind of, you know, mock something up, just got it out there. Every single thing is considered. Uh, and we've made changes to that page, you know, every week since it launched. And, and you guys gave us some useful feedback, and we've made even more changes. Um, but I'll, I'll talk you through it. So the founding member thing, there's a, there's a concept you know, known as social proof, if, if anyone's familiar with that. Uh, and all that means is we kind of very much follow a herd behavior a lot of the time. So if, when you, when you, I'll give you an, an analogy. If you, if you pass a, a restaurant or two restaurants, and on one side uh, a restaurant is full, and on the other side of the street uh, the re a restaurant's completely em empty, we're kind of risk-averse as human beings, and we assume that the one that's full is full because of merit, because it's got better food or whatever the case may be. Um, but it might be that actually the other restaurant is exceptionally good, it's just no one was brave enough to be the first person to walk in there. Um, so social proof is really important because you're much more likely to go to the restaurant that's full than it's empty and the, and the same principle applies here which is if you can see a lot of people have signed up to something and it's popular, that kind of a gives it an endorsement, B means that you're not wrong for thinking that this is a good idea to sign up to, and C it also helps engender, I think, a fear of missing out. Um, so you want to be part of that community, you want to be part of the in-crowd, um, and that's why we use uh, language on a later iteration of this page like get early access, because that taps into, you know, no founding member, make it feel like a club, um, and make them feel important very much display the total figure because that's really important because once you get to a certain amount it's just almost a tipping point and it helps with your conversions when you, people land on the page. We also deliberately made the page sparse of lots of different I guess um, social buttons so uh, we've got and we've also got different versions for different cities so this page you're displaying here is a generic one but for our London iteration, we've got a lot of fans in London. We've got 320,000 fans now. So that was also another bit of social proof. But for us, the purpose of the page isn't to get more likes it's, or, or to get a bit more followers on Pinterest or all, the, all those sort of things or Twitter. So we removed all those buttons so there was no other real distraction apart from just putting in your email.
And, and, and I love that because that's the opposite of what I see a lot of people do. A lot of people come to us and they say, well, I want to add my Pinterest and my Instagram and my Twitter and, and I want to add all of these things and I want this parallax scrolling effect on the page and like you guys went, you know, you boiled it down to like the simplest thing you could get that gets people to convert and I love that you guys did that. The other thing about this, uh, this page uh, which struck me and that's what I was mentioning earlier is that um, there's no slideshows there's no scrolling, there's not um, 100 uh, bits of feature information on the page about what it is, um, but it, it talks about their mission, um, and it says, introducing the last city guide. Uh, we're creating a magical app to help you find the greatest little places around the world, from quirky bars to weird, wonderful restaurants. We promise to make it the last city guide you'll ever need, uh, so come on board. Um, you'll notice it doesn't talk about features, uh, it doesn't talk about features of the app, it doesn't talk about, uh, it doesn't talk about what it'll do, um, it doesn't talk about how specifically it helps you, it talks about why they exist. Um, and that's probably the most challenging copy for people to write. In general is thinking about the why on the page, like why you should become um, a member. And you know, some people don't get to the point where they talk about what the app is effectively, but I think the reality is if you spend so much time focusing on sharing the what of a coming soon application that you'll lose track of the why. And the why is I think what's really effective on this page at getting people to convert because they're presenting their mission and they're looking for people who are really part, want to be part of that mission of why, um, of why a Great Little Place uh, exists. Um, so that was my that was my last uh, two cents uh, on the page. Were you talking about Simon Sinek there? I just heard. Is that right? Yeah, I, I was basically I was, I was in a roundabout way. I was explaining the, the how your landing page is. You don't spend a lot of time. You, you hardly mention anything about the app other than showing that it is an app on a phone. You, yeah. You're talking about the why. Um, and so I imagine that that would be one of your book recommendations. Was, would be uh, the um, Simon Sinek's book, Start with Why. 100%. I mean, we talk about that a lot, and, and so many, whenever I hear startups pitching their ideas, they always start with what it is sort of thing, and, and, and you lose people. I guess you've got to make it relevant to them, um, and yeah, Start With Why is a great book. Um, if you don't fancy reading the whole thing, he's got a TED talk that sums it up in five minutes. Um, it's well worth reading. Um, yeah, the other books I'd recommend are, uh, there's a book called Contagious um, by, I think, a guy, I'm just looking it up now, um, a guy called Jonah, I think his name is Jonah something. Contagious is a very good book. It kind of just um, runs through all the different ways in which you can um, make an idea spread. Um, you know, and it talks from things like making something very visible so other people can talk about it. So, like, you know, I know uh, it, it, it's gone badly since, but um, the Lance Armstrong Yellow Live Strong Band was contagious because so many people saw it and it was a talking point. Um, it, it's a great book. Uh, I'm just going to tell you the author now. Um, yeah, Jonah Berger, that's a great book. Um, there's a book called The Viral Loop as well, um, which is a good book. Um, I think I probably prefer contagious, but it's definitely uh, a good book. Is That's by a guy called Adam Hennenberg. Um, yeah, they're, they're kind of two, two books that are very good. Uh, Andrew Chen did another kind of, it was more like a blog put into a book, uh, which is pretty good, called The Viral Startup. But yeah, I think Contagious is relevant 
to whatever business is not just about, like, say, tech startups. It's just the principles of an, how to spread an idea. Cool. And let's. Um, I've got a couple slides where we talk about the the results. Um, and so, you know, you guys are. I'm grateful you guys are happy to share the, uh, the some of the numbers here uh, with yep. us. But um, and so this is this is straight off of your dashboard, and it shows you know from January, you know, your conversion rate through uh, through recently. Um, what did you? What kind of expectations did you have going into this? Were you hoping for you know a 10, 20, 40 percent conversion rate? What kind of expectations or goals did you guys set? Yeah, I mean it's it's really hard with these things because you. I think there's an expectation uh, as an entrepreneur that when you finally get someone on your platform, they will of course do whatever you want them to do, and of course they'll be dying to sign up for this amazing thing that you've created. Um, but of course, no one ever gets a hundred percent conversion. Um, it just doesn't happen because you know someone could go on a page and then gets distracted at work and then forgets about what they were doing and then you know goes off. Uh, it's in, it's impossible to get everyone. I think for us, um, we I think we knew it was going to be under fifty percent because obviously fifty percent would be ridiculously high. Um, we also realize or uh, you know that not everyone is on iPhones, you know, there's a lot of Android users and, and there's Windows users as well, etc. So unfortunately for us, we were only able to develop, you know, iPhone first and we will move to Android and other platforms, so you're naturally going to get a drop off there of Android users who are kind of like, well, this doesn't look like it's for me. Um, and then not everyone gets excited about the idea, but I mean, I think when we first started, um, the conversion rates were like 27%, around about that. And my goal was to get that up to over 30%. So I'm happy to say, as you see there, it's just under 32 over the whole period. Uh, and I think that has come from making those little tweaks on the page from, from you know, different people's opinions. And, and, you know, Kickoff Labs gave us some great advice as well, which made, we made some fundamental changes, which instantly we saw, we've seen the last week, actually, the conversion rate's more like 34%, uh, which has dragged up the whole average um, to 319 so I think never, the, the trick there is whenever your page is live, never think it's done. It can always be improved. Uh, and of course, we, we haven't done this and we should have done, but A-B testing different things, even like the copy on a button. You know, we started off with Notify Me and we've changed it to Become Member um, just because it feels more uh, exclusive. That was a suggestion from Kickoff Labs so that we implemented. So all those things are interesting um, to look at. So um, how did you guys build the page? Uh, that was a question from the, uh, the chat that came in. So what did you guys use to build it? Um, we, <laughs> we got our, our web, developer to, web developer to do it. I mean, I think it's just a simple, you know, it's just simple HTML and CSS, really. Um, there's nothing fancy there. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty simple page. It's, it's responsive as well. I think that's really important, especially for us. We're a mobile app, and, and, and all the advertising we've done to that page is to mobile devices, so um, you don't think for a second that the, the you know it's done when you're looking at a desktop version. You're approving it. Check it on your phone because over fifty percent of people will check the page from their phone without a doubt. Um, uh, so that's really important that it's responsive. Yeah, and you guys just used our uh, our AnyForm widget to plug into yeah. your, your custom yeah, page. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which which is great. I mean, that's that's why we developed it. Is we we knew that everybody had a unique vision, and you know, we could have a thousand templates in a marketplace, and people would not, you know, people would still want to do something on on their own to to implement it. And so that's why we did yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of uh, you know three distinct spikes um, in here with the with with the leads that that come in. 
Um, can you talk about what happened at these, you know, at these dates, the January, February, and then I guess uh, later in March? Sure. Um, pretty simple, really. So when we that first initial spike, kind of mid-January or whenever that was, 10th of Jan, um, that was purely our organic uh, social media. So we posted it to uh, three of our city pages. All of them were in the UK. We posted it to London, Glasgow, and Edinburgh, uh, and that's why we saw. Uh, good numbers then, all, all organic numbers, and we were tweeting about it and things like that, although Twitter doesn't tend to drive huge traffic. Um, so that that happened, and then you can see it kind of, that organic uh, curve goes down, you know, as 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 um, people get bored of being pestered to sign up uh, on your page. And then I think, basically, you'll start to see there was a, a, a mini spike in February, kind of twice there. We started experimenting with um, using adverts to drive to the page um, because we 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 were assuming that actually the cost of signing up someone before the app launches is going to be a lot cheaper than um, once we've launched because it's just as I mentioned earlier it's a whole other ball ball game when something is already out there and you feel like you're being advertised to because you're saying download me now and it it feels a bit kind of hard sell. I think when you're promoting something before it's actually launched, it, it can be much more uh, engaging a lot of the time. So we started experimenting with some adverts, and they worked okay. Um, and this is all on Facebook. We did actually, sorry, we did actually try Twitter as well, uh, but we found Twitter wasn't as effective for us. Um, and then we kind of put very low effort, I think, into it, sort of mid-February onwards, um, because we've been really super busy actually making the app and getting it ready. And then what's happened in the last week is um, we feel like we've really cracked a formula that works on Facebook um, for the ads. Um, we're using a new format that Facebook's rolled out called um, a multi-product ad um, that's working really well for us. And I think we've just we've just got a better call to not even call to action. They don't even really feel like ads. I mean, one of them just says, you know, it says it comes from us. It's I know this great old place in London. And it it just says London has many secrets. We have the key, and then a range of images of just amazing places, whether it's like a cocktail bar or a romantic restaurant. And the hilarious thing is that people just have been tagging themselves in the ads, going, "Hey, we must go here. You know, Sarah, take me here," and things like that, and and tons of likes. And again, that social proof kicks in because as soon as an advert starts getting comments and likes and shares. Other people think, oh, this is okay. This this thing must be good. Uh, maybe I'm missing out here. I'll, I'll get involved. So they've been incredibly effective for us over the last week, and I think we've dri driven just in one week alone 30,000 signups. Sounds like one of your techniques in the ads is that you're making something that's goal is to feel like it's at home in the Facebook feed. That it's not something that's like, hey, come sign up for me. You're you're making something that's like tries to pique somebody's interest uh, in the feed. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it almost feels like it's not an ad. So um, we have it not, we've deliberately not used any of Facebook's kind of uh, traditional buttons that you can add. So Facebook has buttons like shop now, download now, you know, sign up now. We deliberately decided not to use them because we thought it would be more natural if we did a soft sell so there's no in in you know in the copy of the in the text of the ad we're not saying download our app now sign up now we're just creating intrigue you know the copy is stuff like yeah like I said London has many secrets we have the key 
so we're being quite enigmatic, and then other ones are a little bit more overt. Um, so one is um, uh, our app is going to be your, uh, you know, ultimate black book of uh, little black book of places, um, and then another one like you know find places you never knew existed, and then a range of beautiful imagery. So I think the best thing that on Facebook is to fit in with the community. Um, don't oversell. Use amazing imagery because it's a visual platform, um, and yeah, I think tone of voice is important as well. So for us, uh, you know, a good tone of voice is making something feel cool and and exclusive. Well, not exclusive because it's inclusive as well, but um, you know, just makes it everyone feel like they're an insider if they get on board. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly uh, it's certainly showing that's where your your leads are coming from. You know, of the nearly you know the, of the fifty thousand you're you're dealing with, uh, you know. More than you know, more than eighty percent of them coming from Facebook. So it certainly yeah. has a working strategy for you. Where where are you sourcing the the images? There's some people who've uh, been fans of your your page and they love the images coming across the page. Where how are you sourcing the photos? You mean just for when we post on Facebook? Both for posting on Facebook and then for the ad. Um, two different things. So for for posting on Facebook, uh, I mean a lot of venues have their own photography, so we just ask them. Um, and we also know quite a few photographers who take amazing pictures of London and other places around the world, and uh, you know they've they love what we're doing and said you know we can use their photography as long as we credit them. Um, so that's what we do there. In terms of the app, um, so the way the app will work going forward is um, it's all people's recommendations, right? The initial content is uh, recommendations we've taken from our Facebook pages around the world. So that you know, when you come to the app, it's useful. There's content there for everyone to see. Um, but very much the engine of growth of that content is people adding their own. Um, so what happens is we have a system for that, whereby when someone adds something, we we have a team of people that um, go out to the venues or not go out to the venues, you know, contact the venues or 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 work with them and and get them from their websites and that sort of stuff. So that the app is full of beautiful imagery because I think. One thing we realized very early on was a, a picture really does tell a thousand stories, and if you've got a great image of a venue, it, an image tells you as much as a long review, if not more, about whether it's going to be something you'll like or enjoy or you, you know, think looks cool. So imagery is really paramount for us. Aside from the, the crowdfunding, um, have you guys taken, um, I don't know if you want to discuss it, but have you guys taken any other sources of, uh, of funding? Yeah, so we we raised raised an angel round last July, a seed round, um, and what we're aiming to do this year, if we hit the numbers that we want to hit, is we want to raise a Series A round this year, which will you know um, be significant, I guess. And uh, how many people are, are working uh, working with you guys now? So we've got um, we've got in the office a team of four. We're hiring three more as we speak. Um, we're hiring three developers at the moment. Um, so there'll be seven very shortly, uh, and I think you know if we take on the Series A, that team will probably grow to you know 20 or so, uh, and we'll probably have we'll probably open an office in the US, um, I imagine. That's that's uh, that's that's amazing. So it's uh, it's great to hear uh, that kind of success. I think uh, it was interesting, and somebody pointed it out um, is uh, and and the whole time one of the themes to to me reading you know listening reading up beforehand about what you guys were doing is that um, you guys are really harvesting the power of an engaged audience with a mission. Like, 
you know, you, you have a really clearly defined why, you, you're giving people a mission to kind of find these places, and you're getting them engaged in your story in why, and, and helping them. I mean, it's, it's what they want, and it's a problem that they, they want to have solved, but it's, it's just it's amazing to me to see, it, uh, see how powerful that can be in action. And we had somebody in the chat who said, um, who said they, um, you know, funny enough, he liked the page, uh, one of their pages ages ago, hadn't used the platform or the app yet, but thought that, you know, th their feed on Facebook was the best platform for them to discover things. So what I took away from that is it's really interesting that you've got this multi-layer um, audience where you've got some people that may just engage with you and, and follow you on Facebook. You've got some people that are, you know, going actively to the to the website, and you've got an audience that's going to be, you know, participating in the app and and you know, seeding all the content and, and participating through the app at the the highly engaged um, side of things. And I think you guys have done an excellent job, it seems, in providing content for each of those different levels. And it seems yeah. like that's intentional. Am I right? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, community is everything for us. Um, the idea is about getting everyone's recommendations. So you've really got to look after the community, and that isn't easy. And it, but it does mean you've got to respond to every email that comes in, um, because those people, you know, every person you touch, they're probably gonna, you know, tell twenty people about you if they if they love what you're doing. And um, I think, you know, it, it, it's sometimes a deluge of information and connections that you get when you're on multiple social platforms, for example, if you're on, you know, Pinterest, Twitter, whatever you might be on, um, it, it can be a deluge, but it does, I think, pay dividends if you do everything right by the community. Uh, you keep them involved. I mean, one example is we have a, a private group of about 500 people um, that we've, um, uh, a private community for GLP that we've cultivated to keep them involved with the app development to get their advice and feedback. So, you know, whether it's, you know, saying, okay, do you like these designs? Do you like the color? We got them involved with our rebrand. We had, you know, 400 people voting in a, a survey monkey about which colors and which, you know, brand and icon they liked and preferred. I think people really respect um, that openness and that engagement. And I think the trick with Social media is just to be yourself and open and uh, keep people involved. You don't think of yourself as a company. You know, everyone knows that there's a person writing those things. So I think you've got to be normal and natural. So, um, you know, I want to be respectful of your time, so there's only a couple minutes left, but is there anything that you would have expected, you know, a question about or something we didn't talk about that, that you feel like, uh, you feel like we, the audience missed out on? One thing I'd like to maybe elaborate on a little bit that, that maybe can be more of a takeaway for other people because, um, you know, I sort of feel like in some ways, you know, we've been lucky enough to have the traction, um, you know, in, in social media and other things. But in, in other ways, you know, I guess of all the kind of services and products, our, our one in particular, which is about going out and your social life fits in particularly well with, you know, especially Facebook where it's more personal connections, etc. Um, I think, and you talked about the mission as well, I think the thing is it might seem like there's not a lot to learn from that because, you know, if you've got, I don't know, I'm going to give a, an example of something other people might consider dry. If you've got a company that is, uh, you know, a financial services company or something or you've got a, uh, an expenses app that you've developed, to a lot of people that might seem a bit boring or whatever and it might 
feel hard to figure out how you might engage people in social media if you've got something that on the surface might appear um, a bit boring but I think the trick with social media is to, to either make something entertaining or make it useful and I think a lot of products can still provide a lot of utility so back to the mission point and the Simon Sinek thing if, if you start with why if I was developing let's say as an example let's take the expenses app if I was developing an app over here called uh, finance uh, finance app uh, and another one called, I um, know, oh let's call it the reassurance app. Um, you know, one one company might describe their product like this. If I'm the finance app, I might go, we help you log all your expenses and your finances, so it's all in one place and really convenient. For example, whereas the other app might be um, more like, we understand how stressful it is when you know finances get out of control um, and we think everyone should be financially literate because if you are then you'll be you know you'll be stress-free and live a better life and be able to invest in the things you want to we just happen to make an expenses app that's really simple to use so that's like an example of thinking about what your why is and then if you were to take that through to social media you've got your social strategy right there which is helping people become social, um, financially literate um, and you know giving them advice tips um, you know things like that does that make sense? I've kind of uh, gone on a long-winded speech about that. But what I wanted to communicate was you can find a mission in almost anything. And even if it feels like you've got a product that people might not naturally get behind, uh, if you can tap into a human truth or a human behavior or something, um, you can leverage that and I think still build a community that's engaged. No, that, that makes, that makes uh, total sense and it's, and it's a great thing to bring up and remind people of. Um, another question that came up was um, in launching or growing your business, um, what was something that you uh, you were wrong about or thought was correct that turned out to be to turned out to be false uh, in the last couple of years? Um, that's a very good question. Um, we're definitely not always right. Uh, I think if anything, we probably should have um, gone to mobile quicker. Um, so it's not necessary. So I think we probably spent too long. Um, with our website uh, when it was clear to us that you know if you looked at the stats and most of our traffic was mobile from mobile you know alarm bells really should have been ringing in our ears to say it's time to, <laughs> to develop the other platform instead of uh, continuing on so I think I think business is not necessarily about making wrong decisions because every decision has its permutations and um, I don't think we've made anything catastrophically wrong but what I would say is we could probably have made decisions a lot quicker um, and I think if we'd have focused on what our audience really wanted which uh, you know we'd had emails obviously saying hey you guys should do a mobile app and obviously we wanted to um, but we probably delayed it much longer than we should have done we probably should have you know um, you know started it a long time ago but that lesson learned and you know I don't think I don't think we've lost out dramatically. I think in some ways we're probably building a better product today, a mobile product today, than we would have done had we built it two years ago um, because I think the mobile space has evolved and uh, there's a lot more exciting things you can build upon and do. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for, you know, you guys have spent a lot of time, like you said, um, building the audience, um, building the audience first ahead of building the app. And there's just something to be said for, you know, letting other people get some of the trial and error out of the way. I mean, you know, you've taken on a little bit of funding, but for every business, no matter how they take on funding, like cost is still extremely important to consider. And if you guys went out and blew a bunch of money on, you know, being an early adopter of mobile platforms, 
you wouldn't be able to take on the advice of seeing all the apps that have you know tried and failed yeah. or tried and done well, and now you can leverage a lot of that success yeah. into your audience that you've spent your time building, which I think, you know, like you said, it's not necessarily wrong. You, you've, you, you spent your time doing other valuable things for the business, which is probably a great thing to do. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think what we've, as I was sort of explaining earlier, you know, a lot of the apps out there, when you lo load them up, whether it's kind of Foursquare or Yelp or all those things, they just show you like lists of places, and it's literally like a tiny thumbnail of the venue, the name of it, how far away it is, and all those sort of things, and, and a rating, and it's not particularly inspirational, and it doesn't sort of, um, I think, pique your interest. So that's why we've gone a very visual route, and we show you one place at a time because we want you, you know, we've got fewer places, so we want you to consider them all and and, and show them off in all their glory. So I think, yeah, that has helped us seeing what other people have done in the market uh, to then re-engage ourselves because, you, know, you know, we haven't obviously raised as much money as Yelp's done and they're a massive player. Um, so we've got to be different and we've got to innovate in a different way. Cool. Um, this, was, this was a lot of fun. I've, I've learned a lot listening, uh, listening to you, hearing the story, and I can tell there's, uh, you know, uh, there's been a lot of good comments. Um, you know, one guy says, uh, uh, this guy has it nailed. Uh, he's learned trial and error and has all the right ideas. So I can tell we get comments like that in the chat that, uh, that there's a ton of good advice that people are going uh, to enjoy for, uh, for, for months to come when we post the recap. Um, I always I always end these with a with a with a pitch uh, for for Kickoff Labs. I'm going to say uh, I'm also going to say uh, you guys should definitely go check out uh, their landing page and sign up if you're interested in finding great little uh, great little places. So it's uh, glpapp.com and we'll post that in the chat as well. Um, you, you saw the landing page and uh, you should definitely check it out. Um, I'm curious, you know, as a customer of Kickoff Labs, somebody who's been to a couple of our, you know, been to a couple of our chats uh, in the, in the past, how would you define, you know, our why and and what we're helping you do? Kickoff Labs, okay. Let me think about this. I would say we understand how important it is to get your business off to the right start, and we think the best way to do that is in, is build up an engaged audience that are raving about your product. That's why we built a product that has, uh, you know, viral loops inbuilt to really um, get people signed up even before it launches.